and I looked at my calendar this morning, and it said May 1st, so we got through April showers, and now we're into May. Does anyone know what the May flower brings? There we go, all right, some of you got the bad dad joke, all right. We'll get that out of the way, so should be good from there. It's great to see many of you folks this week, uh, throughout the week, and that's uh, the nice thing about our gathering here at Point Way, but many of you are involved in things uh, outside of here as well, whether it's Teen Challenge or LAPS, or some of you were out at Camp Gym yesterday and uh, in the rain and everything else, and so we had a good time out there. So it's great to see us being involved in our community as well. So appreciate that. Anyone remember the series that we're in? Ruth. Ruth. Right. Ruth. Ruth. Very good. Not baby Ruth. Brent's not here this week, so Brent Pringle threw that one up, and boy, I was craving a baby Ruth bar after I left. But um, What do we know about Ruth, though? What, do we, what are some of the, the characteristics? I mean, the book's named after her, but what do we know about Ruth? Actually, Naomi was bitter. That's all right. It's all right. No, that's good. That's good, though. You remember the bitter part. I just got to get the right person. So, right. Her mother-in-law was bitter, right. That's not an indication on all mother-in-laws. We make that clear. I don't want to be in trouble when I go back to Rhode Island. Uh, what's that? She stayed with Naomi. That's right, because there was another daughter, right? Oprah, she went back, right? Uh, Ruth was, uh, was she a Jew again? That, no, she was a Moabite, right? That's going to be important. You're going to see that over and over again, that the author that writes this book continually says, Ruth the Moabite, just that reminder, right? She doesn't have the good standing that the the Jews uh, have. Anything else about Ruth? You guys are doing pretty good this morning. It's a widow, yes. That's going to be key. That's part of the story, right? Not only is Naomi a widow, but so is Ruth, and so is Oprah as well. And so now they have found themselves... um, back in their land, right? They went back, Naomi goes back to her homeland, back to Israel, and there she um, is trying to reestablish herself, right? And again, Ruth stays with her, right? Where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. That famous line that's written there, and again, it's a reminder of her faithfulness to Naomi. Do we know who wrote the book of Ruth? No. It's not a trick question. I didn't didn't say who wrote it because I knew that would be a trick question, but we don't know. But we know as someone uh, during the time of the judges, right, that that unsettling time in history, in Israel's history, where they kind of get stuck in a cycle, right? Things go well for a while. They get away from God. God has to correct them. Usually sends somebody in to do that from the outside, and then God sends them a judge or a deliverer, someone to straighten them back out, to bring them back to their faith. And again, if we're not careful, we can end up in that same plight, right? Sometimes the worst enemy of a believer is when things are going good, right? When we're in crisis, we, we tend to lean more heavily on God, or we hopefully think of God, and we're, we're crying out to Him, right? We need help. It's beyond us. But we need Him just as much when things are going bad as we do when things are going good, and we forget that. And so that can be a detriment to our faith and to our walk. And so that's that unsettling time that we find the story in Ruth. We also mentioned that last week there's a famine, right? But the famine's ended, and now they're headed back, trying to, to go back to the land where they become. 
uh, where Naomi came from. All right, chapter 2. Let's see if we can get through all of chapter 2 this morning. They're relatively short chapters, but in this series, um, it kind of keeps the, the story going. So last week, there was no hope. This week, there's some temporary hope, all right? So last week, no hope. This week, temporary help, hope. That's the title of this morning's message. Now, Naomi had a relative on the, her husband's side, a man who's standing from the clan of Amalek, whose name was Boaz. All right, we get a new character here, right? Boaz. Boaz comes on to the scene. Boaz is going to be important. He's part of this story that really kind of hinges everything on, right? He's, he's as important as Ruth and as important as Naomi, but Boaz and the line that he's in becomes very important down the road, all right? Boaz is going to be in that line, all right, spoiler alert, in that line of David, in that line of Jesus, and so that's very important. So Boaz comes on the scene, and he's in that family, and Naomi has that, that connection, right? Ruth, though, is coming from the outside. She doesn't have that. She's a Moabite. We see that again in verse 2. Again, the author puts that in here often to remind us of her standing. It says, And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. And so she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. Let me just stop right there for a minute. This was a system that the Jews had to help provide for those in need. The widows, those who were orphans, those who couldn't really, they didn't have family to take care of them. They would actually allow them to go in the field and kind of pick over the leftovers. Whatever didn't get gathered up. Sometimes on the outside, or things would just get missed, right? If you've ever harvested, right, you, you pick, you, you miss things. You don't get it all. I used to go behind someone that used to pick raspberries, and I love raspberries. And, and so uh, I would love it if they missed. And a lot of times they were kind of hidden, and they were way underneath, and you had to kind of reach for them. Like I said, they weren't in plain view, but you could, you could find quite a few of you got lower or dig deeper. Sometimes you get scratched more doing that. But it was a way to provide, right? Interestingly, it's a great system in many ways, right? They're providing a need for these people, yet it's just not given to them, right? Ruth has got to go out in the field, and she's actually got to go out and and work the field, walk behind them, and in hopes of just picking up a little bit, right? And if you've ever done any harvesting, right, it's easy to pick the, as I say, the low-hanging fruit, but when you've got to dig around and you've got to find, like I did with those raspberries, it's not easy, it takes a lot more work, and you don't get as much. And so that's the situation. But, but Ruth, being a little bit younger and being willing, she goes out, and she gets permission from, from Naomi, and Naomi says, sure, go, my daughter. I love this next verse. This next sentence is, is fascinating to me. It says, as it turned out, she was working the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Amalek. Right? Just so happened. Right? Does God just so happen things? No. No. It, it is amazing how God works in all situations, even when we can't see it. Right? He lines things up. I had one of those moments this week. Um, I've just taken on a new mentee for Teen Challenge. 
His name is Brandon, and you can be praying for Brandon as he's in the program. And we were talking this week, and he got in my truck, and he goes, I've been here before. And I'm like, what do you mean you've been here before? Well, you see, last year, actually, Bryce and I were fishing up at Serpent Lake, and uh, I think, I think Bryce actually outfished me. I, I hate to confess that now, but, but my memory's a little shaky, so no, we're not quite so sure. But anyways, we, huh, easy, it's easy to outfish me? Ouch, Wow. You too are part of my humble committee. Yes, it's good. But we were fishing, and, and it was getting late, and we were coming off the water and pulling the boat, and we're, we're wrapping things up to go, and it's getting dark. And all of a sudden, this young man comes running down the street. He has no shoes on. He's barefoot. He's kind of frazzled, out of breath, and he says, hey, can I get a ride with you? And Bryce and I are like, sure. I mean, we're two good-sized guys, and this guy... And so we took, we don't know you, but like I said, sure, he just needed a ride into town. And so we took him into town and dropped him off, and he changed the place a couple times, and we had to take him, you know, through a couple side streets to an apartment. Well, it just so happened that that was Brandon. And so it's kind of interesting how God already placed him in my life, and we found out I found out later from Brandon, as I was talking to him, he was actually running from the police at the time. So I'm not sure there's any charges for Bryce and I or any lingering that, you know, we are hiring the betting a, a felon or something at that point. But isn't it neat how God does that? And again, uh, when you take a mentee at Teen Challenge, you don't know who you're going to get. You just have to trust that God's going to give you the right person. And sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. But God's already placed um, Brandon in my life. And so it kind of helps speed up the relationship, and we have that connection. So um, his warrant now is taken care of, and he's no longer a fugitive, so that's good. <laughs> but it just so happened. And here we have Ruth, who just so happened to end up in this field, which through the tree is a distant relative, at least through Naomi, and a very important one at that. All right, back to the story. Again, here Boaz comes onto the scene in full force. Verse 4, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. It's an interesting greeting, right? Again, remember, this is a boss and employees, right? I don't know how many of you go to work tomorrow. Is your boss going to say that to you? Probably I would guess many are not going to be. That's a no, not a normal greeting. Maybe you do. Maybe you're blessed to, to work for a believer. But again, it shows some of the character here of Boaz and also the relationship of his people, right? This isn't a, a normal greeting like a good morning. This is, hey, the Lord, it's a re- God's given them. And especially at harvest time, it would be a good reminder to them. Again, God's given them blessing in the crops, Also, historically, they're coming out of a famine time. And so to have a harvest at all is a big deal. And so you see some of the relationship here, and you start to see a little bit of the character of Boaz come through. Verse 5, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Interesting here, Boaz noticed something. Hey, there's a young girl over there. Hmm. All right. Some of you can remember, right, when you, you first saw your wife or your, 
or, or, or a girlfriend, you're right, you, oh, you take notice, right? She stands out. She pops, right? Well, Boaz is no different here. He sees something and says, hmm, who's that young woman over there? He takes a little bit of an interest. And again, only, we only know that he obviously has eyes for her a little bit later on, but again, early on, he sees her. And then the overseer replied, she's a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi, she said. Oh, and she says, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Now, in that day, the owner of the field got to determine not only his workers, but he could even determine, like, who could glean behind, right? It's his property. So there's that moment of tension where he actually could have kicked Ruth off and said, you know what? You need to move on. Go to the next field. But he doesn't, right? He sees her, and, and there's a little bit of her character coming out, right? She's working hard. She's been picking there all day. And for the exception of a short rest, she's been, been working as though she's like one of the workers. Again, behind, picking up just the, the small portions that were left. Verse 8, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. All right, so now he is allowing her to stay. He's allowing her to, to be there, part of that. And again, by not having her go, there's protection, right? He's noticed her, and he said she can stay. So he's, 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 he's already providing some protection for her. Because quite often they'd have to go from field to field. And again, if you're harvesting, you only have so much daylight. And if you only take a, a you know, you take a little bit from this field, you've got to carry that and then go glean from another field. You might not, there might not be anything left by the time you get there. You may not get very much. You may go to the wrong field where she could be harmed. Remember, she's a, a foreigner. She's a Moabite. She's not part of their group. So she doesn't have any of the rights or the protection even of the women of that day, which weren't a lot to begin with. But Boaz allows her to stay there and gives her further instruction. He says, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that have been filled. Right? So again, he's getting that protection even more. Right? He's told the men, hey, you can't touch her. Right? You need to be careful around her. She's under his protection, under his leadership. See, there was a thing that would quite often go on. A lot of times the harvesters, especially with a foreigner, they could abuse. Physically, sexually, that was okay. There was no recourse for her if that took place. So it's a big deal. And even allowing her to be after the women, right? Behind them picking was a big deal, Right? Again, he didn't put her up in amongst the women. That wouldn't have gone well, right? They wouldn't have gotten along. But right behind them, again, just watching over, close behind, not lagging back. And again, by staying together, there was security, protection, and he's watching out and providing for her even early on in this. And then allowing to have water, right? 
And not water where she'd have to go out to and try to get her own, because sometimes that would mean leaving the property or leaving the immediate area of protection, but you can have it from the jars that were on the edge of the field. So I was studying this. This was a big deal to have water at the field. You know, in the hot weather, and you're working hard to, to have to go and get water. You obviously lose time harvesting, but there was danger in that as well. And it would be in the middle of the day when things were hot and not the ideal time to be gathering water. So to have the, the jars right there, now from a business standpoint, keeping the workers working obviously produced more and uh, having the water provided so they didn't have to go very far kept production going that much quicker too. So there was benefits on both sides of it, but allowing Ruth to have that benefit as well. Now we get a little insight into Ruth here in verse 10. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you've noticed me? Again, that's her showing her humbleness, right? She's, she's being grateful for what Boaz has done. She's realizing that this is not normal behavior. This is above and beyond. And so her humility shows up here in her grace. And Boaz answers her and. Verse 11 here, it says, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Again, some key words here. He pulls it out, right? But her reputation's gotten out. Her, they, they already know about her, right? The, the, the talk in the town is, oh, yeah, Ruth at Moabite. She came. Not normal behavior, but she st- stuck with Naomi to make sure Naomi's all right, right? To provide company, to provide some, some care with her as she's come back, both of them as widows and both in need, need of a lot. And at the last year, it says, may the Lord, right? You see some of that character of Boaz coming through again, right? He's a godly man. He's a righteous man. And again, he's asking for a blessing upon her for what she's done. The imagery here as well, right? Those under your wings, right? The, the, the thought here the, is almost like a, a mother hen, right? Protecting her chicks, right? Pulling those wings over keeping them close, protection, keeping the outside from hurting anyone on the inside. It's a beautiful picture that's drawn up here, the imagery. Verse 13, this is Ruth's response continuing on. She says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Right? So again, she, she for her position, she understands her place, yet she recognizes Boaz, what he's been doing for her. Verse 14, a little time goes on now, and it's getting near the end of the day, and it says, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, actually at lunchtime, it says, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. Again, another big deal, right? Again, it's one thing to provide for the people that are doing the work, right? A meal and water. Again, these are all part of the the workings to keep them well-fed and keep them hydrated so they can do the work. 
But to allow a foreigner to come in and join in a meal, especially in Jewish culture, is a big deal. That's, that's showing almost like an e- equality there, right? Hey, this is, a, this is part of the family now. You get to come and enjoy part of this, right? Be part of the group. And as an outsider, this would be a huge blessing to be able to do that. Goes on to say, when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and even had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull some out of the pulls out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. Right? He's kind of he's he's going above and beyond even one more step. Right? Now he's telling his men, hey, you know what? Miss a little bit. Miss a little bit on purpose, right? In fact, if you think of it, just pull an extra stock out and leave it. A whole stock, right? Again, so she's not only working, but she's going to be able to, to actually pick up even a little bit more than normal. Again, Boaz is already starting to provide for her, provide for one of those needs, giving her that temporary hope of not only having just enough for herself, but also to have enough to bring back to Naomi. Right? This is more than she needs. Ruth gleaned in the field. You see it in the lunch. You also see it here in the field. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. I don't, I don't know what ephah is, right? I, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right? I'm not a, an ephah guy. But again, great thing about today, you can look back and figure it out, right? But it's about 30 pounds. And by all accounts, it doesn't weigh much, right? So that's a lot of it. It's a big bag of it. In fact, some said it would be almost the equivalent to a month's salary. You know, if you were to take it back and sell it. So it's a lot. It's a large amount. She's so a lot out of a day, day's worth of work. And so in 18, she carries it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough, right? Again, we see that heart of Ruth, right? She's providing for Naomi here, not only by bringing what she did, and she gives it all to her. And then she pulls out probably from a a cloth, and she goes, oh, and by the way, I have some lunch left over. Because remember, Naomi's probably just been back sitting. Remember, Naomi's bitter. She's probably just sitting in her woe, not doing anything, hoping that Ruth brings back at least something from the day's work. But Naomi certainly didn't expect 30 pounds and a meal to boot. That's a lot. And again, when you just bring it back, it's almost evening now, right? It's been all day. She's been waiting for Ruth to return, hoping that she returns. And there's no guarantee. You send a young lady out during that day that she would even return. And here she comes back with a lot. And some of the commentary said that she most likely would have next day taken some of that and sold it to be, again, to, to start providing uh, more to round it out. And as I said, this, uh, the title of this is Temporary Hope, right? Food is temporary, right? I assume some of you had breakfast this morning, but I know many of you, once you leave here or you'll have a snack or lunch, right? It doesn't last very long. And I guarantee by tomorrow, I know most, if not all of us, will eat again. I will, right? It's, it's only temporal, right? 
So this is only providing them with some temporal hope. And even if that was a month's salary, it's not going to provide very long for two of them. So they're still in this state of only a little bit of hope. And again, they have food, but they don't have much security yet, which is what they really need, right, on the long term. So Naomi has some questions, right? So there's some questions here in verse 19. She goes, her mother asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one in whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Right? Ruth knew who it was. This is Boaz. This is the announcement. And you see Naomi's response to it, right? Response here in verse 20 says, The Lord bless him. She says to her daughter-in-law, He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Read that verse again. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living. We talked about the dead. That's a little window into what's coming in into play here, right? We talked about that they're going to need someone to provide for them long term. They're going to need family. Yet both these women have lost their husband, right? They don't, they don't have family. They don't, they're going to need someone to step in and take that place. And so this is a glimpse of what's coming ahead. And if you've read ahead, Boaz is going to fill that slot. Spoiler alert. I, you know, I do that often, but it's okay. Verse 21. Oh, let me finish that. He's shown that mercy of the living and the dead. Again, to her dead husbands, this is part of that, that showing. That man is, close, is a close relative. He's one of our, our guardian redeemers. See that word, redeemer, finally gets implanted in here, right? He's the one that can redeem the family line. He has a rightful place to do that. He could help carry on the name, the name of this family. But it wouldn't be a normal situation because Ruth is a Moabite, right? Naomi, certainly, because she's from the Israelites, but not Ruth. So again, there still needs to be some work done here yet. It's not quite there yet, but we see the glimpse, right? And that Redeemer is going to be the theme. And again, we are in the same boat as needing a Redeemer. Verse 21. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him. Because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Again, that Boaz has given that protection, and he's even said, Hey, come back the next day. Again, there was real danger in them working alone or going to another field. Again, the next owner may be ruthless. The workers would not be the same. But to allow her to come back and to continue to, to glean was part of that overarching protection and also that blessing on Ruth and Naomi. Verse 23, as we wrap up. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So again, she was able to stay day after day. Again, this time of harvesting can vary for a couple of weeks, um, but not much more than that. So it wasn't a long time. It was only a, a short window that they would have the, the barley and the, the wheat harvest 
Right? And again, this was the second harvest. So this is kind of the last harvest of the season. So the future is uncertain. Right? Yeah, they have food for today. They've, they've gathered a lot. They've got probably a little bit stored up. But for how long? And that's why I say this is only temporary hope. It's only for a short time that they have provision. And it's only one of the needs, the food, but not the, the shelter, the protection, and certainly not the family to continue on in the name. That's coming, but not this week. So what can we take from this this morning? A couple of takeaways or something to think about, right? And again, it's, as the story narrates, again, we follow along and we can see um, in Ruth's story here, but we also see Boaz's story as well. And uh, we may not find ourselves in Ruth's situation, most of us probably don't, but maybe we could be in Boaz's situation, right? And I say that in that we've been blessed. Uh, we talked today about giving to the Great Commission Fund, right? And again, and I know people here at Pointway are great givers, but it's a reminder that we do have a responsibility as God has blessed us to bless others. And so that's certainly one of the takeaways and it doesn't always have to be financial either. Sometimes uh, the greatest blessing in giving is of time, strength, energy, ability to clean or chop down trees, some, uh, work with pastor chopping down trees. That's another whole thing. Brent had to endure that yesterday. Carry sheetrock, yes. <laughs> Carry sheetrock, yes. So there are many ways that you can provide for others, right? And show grace in that. And again, just like Boaz, not just doing the minimum, but actually going beyond that and showing love, acceptance, and coming around them. So something to think about. And maybe if God lays something on your heart this morning, you can take action on that. Or this week, just reminded about how much we've been given and how much we could be giving with me, please. Oh, Lord, you have been so gracious to us, Lord, and we do thank you for all that you provided for us, Lord. And Lord, we also recognize the need that we have, that we have the need for you to fill in those gaps to protect us, Lord, when no one else can. And Lord, we, we call upon you to do that. Lord, be our Redeemer, that you watch over us and that you have adopted us into the family. Lord, we thank you for that, and Lord, as we celebrate this morning our salvation in you as we take communion, let us not forget the gift that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to need a couple of elders to come up this morning as, again, it's a time when we take communion to recognize what Christ did for us, so... Again, we here at Point Way, we have an open communion table. And I say it's open. It's open to all that are here. You do not have to be a, a member or um, you, anyone that's here today and that recognizes Christ can take part in this. And again, we do there as a church family. We do it together this morning as a good reminder. And it's given a chance for the kids to come in so they can join us as well, especially uh, as family. It's a, it's a great honor to do that.
But we do also take it seriously. And again, Scripture gives us that warning when we take communion on how we are to do it. Scripture says, whenever you eat of the bread or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so what I'd like to do here point away is just close your eyes, bow your head, just between you and God, and make sure that you're in right standing and that you're in the right relationship with Him. going to ask Steve if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread that we are about to receive. Pull out from the bottom of your bread. It says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It goes on to say, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. 
do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Come up. And... I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we get ready for our closing song. And again, as we have leftover communion cups and, and bread and, and the, the juice, that we're reminded that there are so many out there that do not know Jesus yet as our Lord and Savior. And so let it be a reminder this week that you share that with someone else. Share what you did, share what Christ did for you in your own life.